Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jazz here, and I am so digging the GeekCast Radio Network. Greetings, humans. This is Starscream, and you're listening to ToyCast. And if any of you call me a partsformer, one more time... Now, Toycast. Oh, yes. Listening to the only toy podcast you will ever need. Hello, and welcome to an all new generation of Toycast as we get the origins of any and all toy fans that we can. I'm, of course, TF2 and Mike, and today's featured guest is Eric Braley from Toy Robot Magazine. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I am. I'm doing. Sometimes I wish I wasn't doing anything, but I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> so people should go over all things Transformers. About a month ago or so, maybe a month and a half ago at this point, uh, we had Eric on there for the first time talking about Toy Robot Magazine. For those of the listeners on this feed that didn't listen to that one, well, first of all, go listen to that one, and second of all, let everybody know about what Toy Robot Magazine is all about. All right. Well, Toy Robot Magazine is one of the only magazines right now in the world who is solely devoted to Transformers and Transforming Robots. So that can be uh, Transformers, GoBots, Power Rangers, uh, Mazinga, all that stuff. Um, uh, it's a 44-page magazine, articles, interviews, posters. It's, it's a blast is what it is. Absolutely, absolutely it is. All right, so we have 42 questions here at ToyCast, all about toy collecting. Okay. And, uh, yeah, what was, what is, or was the first toy you remember having as a kid? The earliest toy that I can remember having as a kid, that's a tough one, man. Holy crap, right off the bat. I'm trying to think here. Uh, man, probably a plush dinosaur that came in a house. It was a little cardboard house, like pound puppies, and it was a little uh-huh. purple T-Rex. That's one of the earliest ones I can think of. Otherwise, uh, it might have been a spattering of, like, uh, 
maybe some Thundercats or He-Man toys were my earliest, earliest toys. Yes, folks. And this was before the age of Barney, so it ain't that purple dinosaur. No, this is early, early <laughs> 80s. Yeah, yeah. For a second there, I thought you were going to say Battle Beasts, because honestly, I don't. I remember having Battle Beasts. I'm probably misremembering this, but I swear I had those before I had some of my Transformers, or maybe I just had them at yeah. the same time. Not uh, even though Battle Beasts were by far and large one of my favorite toy lines. Uh, those weren't until like '87 or so. Um, oh yeah. So, you know, like my earliest stuff was probably something from like '80, '80, '81, '82 because I was born in '82. Okay. Was there a particular adult who was supportive of your of you playing with toys as a kid? Was there anyone who was unsupportive? Uh, amazingly, uh, my father. Uh, he was always about me getting cool toys, uh, never spoiling me because I was kind of the only kid out on the farm. But like, um, no, he would coordinate with my grandparents, all my aunts and uncles, all my great aunts and uncles, and everybody was really supportive. So like when Christmas would roll around, I might get a, a big Dinorider Triceratops. And then, like, another family member might have gotten me one of the Dino Rider 2-packs with the figures. And then somebody else might have gotten me, like, a smaller Dino Rider. Uh, my grandma would get me the uh, club memberships to Dino Riders. So all my family was always supportive of my uh, toys. That's very awesome. And it's funny you say you're an only kid out in the out in the farm. You're an only kid out in the country. I'm an only kid in the city because, yeah, yeah only children, man, we get everything we want. Yeah. <laughs> most um, of the time. Most of the most time. Of the yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> what type of toys were your favorites to play with? So action figures, play sets, vehicles, that kind of stuff. Uh, my favorite toys, um, obviously Transformers were huge on my list. Uh Anything dinosaur, so Dino Riders was big. Um, I wasn't big in the playsets. I didn't have many playsets as a kid. My dad would usually get me more of like the medium range figures. Um, and then action figures, so He-Man. Um, I had a few Thundercats, not a lot. But I would say the predominant figures was Transformers, He-Man, Dino Riders, and some Lego. Very cool, very cool. So out of all of those, what stood out more than the others? Um, well, my first Transformer I ever got was a G1 Astral Train, so that was always important to me. I remember that. For my um, Dino Riders, I had the big, um, not the Apatosaurus, which was like a three-foot-long one. I had the Diplodocus, mm -hmm. but that was like a foot-and-a-half one, and that was huge. And then I had a couple of the Mtron Lego sets that had the little magnets, and I had the big spaceship for that. So those are ones that stick out in my mind. Yeah, very cool, very cool. It's funny. You <laughs> you mentioned Astrotrain. I have him right here. <laughs> it's not the same one I had, you know, f almost 40 years ago, but it uh, it's obviously the original Astrotrain. And they've come out with some pretty decent modern versions of him, but... Oh yeah, this old one, this this original one, man, is just so good. Even though it's, I mean, the train mode is good, the the, the shuttle mode is good, the robot mode is good, but you have to get his legs like right in the mm -hmm. right position to be able to stand properly. Well, well they kind of bow out a little bit, so you yeah. can have them like saddle stand. It works. <laughs> Uh, if only Battle Cat was a little slimmer, Astro right? Train could ride Battle Cat. Oh God, <laughs> yeah. <right>? yeah. <laughs> 
Do you prefer the label of action figures, dolls, toys, or other labels? Um, I've always been kind of a purist that um, action figures was the original 60s G.I. Joe forward to describe a figure with accessories and stuff like that geared towards more boys. Obviously, that's changed over the years. Whereas mm-hmm. a doll was a larger uh, 12-inch or taller uh, figure. So if you bring me a 12-inch tall G.I. Joe, I will call it both a doll and an action figure. Because, uh, you know, that's kind of being nitpicky. But, um, you know, it's never bothered me any. I think as a little boy, though, you know, if somebody's like, oh, he's got some dolls over there, I'll be like, they're action figures, you know. But <laughs> Exactly. As yeah. an adult, yeah. I don't care. I just, I enjoy them. <laughs> Absolutely. Good guys or bad guys, which toys were your favorites to play with the most? Oh, bad guys, day in, day out. Uh, Ninja Turtles, God, there was another toy line. Ninja Turtles, always the bad guys. I never really cared to get the good guys. I only wanted the bad guys. Yeah, those those original 87 toys were great at the time, but looking back on those, oh, man. Whew. That cloth cape was Shredder, and I never had Krang. Krang is his robot. Yeah. I mean, I okay, I had Krang, but I only had Krang, the little android body. I never had yeah. the big winged thing. His little stilt stalker walker thing, yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what is or was, and I know you said you haven't, didn't have many playsets, but what <clears throat> is or was your favorite toy vehicle or playset? Um... I would say I had both the Captain Power spaceship and the Captain Power bad guy. It was like a castle base thing that he sat on. And so I had both of those deluxe vehicles. Those were a lot of fun. Yeah, I you know, for me like okay, so and I and I know this is a distinction that doesn't really have a difference, but for me Transformers were Transformers. They weren't vehicle or action figure even though they are action figures but yeah. they're transformers so when i see like toy toy vehicle i'm thinking of like like we're trying what you're talking about with captain power or yep, yep. Like, m- t- technically mask is a toy vehicle um, with, with a you know that kind of stuff so uh i also had the 57 chevy bel air mask car i loved <laughs> i loved yes. it yes yes that was a good one did you and your friends ever pretend with your toys that you had? By this, I mean, did you say, I'm going to be this toy and you can be that toy? Like, Eric's going to be the Coke bottle top and uh, uh, Bill's going to be the piece of glass. So, uh, sadly, I, I don't have much memories of ever playing with them. I was very much to myself. I was a very mature child. Uh, I do. I remember playing with other kids on the playground, but I don't remember how yeah. our play pattern worked. But I'm mm-hmm. sh- I remember more of uh, we would always role play like Ninja Turtles, so not so yeah. much with the figures, but we'd be like, "Oh, I'm Shredder yeah. and I'm Michelangelo." I remember doing that, but when playing with toys, I hardly ever played with toys with other kids because they were uh, so violent with their toys and they would chuck them around. And I was like, "I I don't I don't want you to wreck my GoBots and I don't want you to wreck my He-Man figure because like kids would like chuck them at a tree or bury them in the dirt." And I was like, "I don't I don't want that." Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I I completely get that, and I understand that. And and sadly, my my only rebuttal to the GoBot thing is, well, they came wrecked off the Kmart assembly line. <laughs> <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> what does a 
what okay so <clears throat> what features define a good toy to you how true does the item feel in comparison to the source material likeness um like you want to know if i feel that toy needs to represent say the cartoon show or just what makes a toy good both okay um as a kid and as an adult, I never really cared if it looked exactly like the TV show. I didn't care about accuracy that much. As much as I, as long as I knew what it was, like that's all I cared. Um, what made a toy great was if it had play features that didn't feel forced and gimmicky over time. So mm. what I'm saying there is Ninja Turtles as a kid. I started losing interest in Ninja Turtles when it was like Ninja Turtles with wacky features, Ninja Turtles with capes, Ninja Turtles as undercover agents. I just got bored of that. Whereas He-Man, every figure that came out, even if it was a new version of the figure, had something unique to it. Yeah. The only caveat I will give Turtles is that when they did the Turtle disguises... Undercover Don was always my favorite, and the only gimmick that I absolutely loved on the Turtles was the pop-up heads. When you push it down and it pops up, that was the only really good gimmick for me as a kid. That was kind of neat. I liked the uh, mutating ones, and I liked yep. the storage shell ones. Yeah, the storage shell ones were really good. Those were awesome. What does toy packaging have to have to draw you in? So basically, this is... And I, I'm only using today's standards because that's all we can do now because it isn't – I mean, you, you can give an answer as a kid. But, yeah. like, if you go into, like, you know, whatever big box to Walmart, Target, whatever, what when you go through the toy aisle and you look and you scan the stuff that you know you love, what is something that toy packaging has to have for you to immediately gravitate towards it? Uh, artwork still always has been, always will be artwork of some sort, even with – uh, obviously, back in the day, He-Man toys, second you saw that gorgeous fancy artwork, boom, you were there. Transformers with uh, artwork by Mark Watts, you were there. Today, you don't quite get that. It's a lot of digital, kind of quickie, slapdash stuff. But uh, for me, when I see indie products, like, say, the Dumpster Fire toy, it's a cool concept, but the artwork is just some silly cartoon. That doesn't quite grab me. But if you look at uh, currently the Transformers Legacy stuff, it's very yep. uh, bright and colorful and it grabs my attention. Uh, or if the packaging is presented in a bubble in a way to really get my attention, uh, the current He-Man stuff has a really nice way to show off the figure and the accessories and it brings you in, uh, it brings your eye to it. So yeah. it's still artwork or presentation of the figure. If you don't do that right, it sucks, and it looks generic. Yep. I absolutely love, and I know this is a somewhat controversial because, oh, but they're trying to do their best for the environment going from, you know, bubble to closed box. And my thing is, look, if it's a closed box, that's more room for artwork. Now, granted, and I know stupid idiots out there have done this recently with some of the closed box they'll they'll mix up figure and don't do that folks like that's worse than being a scalper yeah don't don't do that crap but that closed box like that kingdom rodimus artwork oh god i wish i had that in 1986 or 7 or whenever the original one came out because that would have been awesome yeah i uh the 
the closed box stuff I know makes a lot of people upset, but like, if you've collected stuff from overseas, there's a lot of times they'll do closed box, and the artwork is what sells it. Transformers has traditionally had a way to look at the figure, but I get yeah. what they're doing, and I I don't have a problem with it because everybody's like, well, I don't know what's inside. I'm like, you don't have the internet, you can't. <laughs> look at a picture of it i'm pretty sure like it's all these super fans like well how am i supposed to know what the toy looks like inside i'm like come on you're an adult you know you've already looked at what this figure looks like have you not seen all the quote-unquote leaked or even yeah. the official images kind of thing but my like my i i guess my biggest sticking point on closed boxes uh, first of all <sighs> scalpers are just like they are ra- they are more rabid now than they were ten years yeah. ago. And either you're going to get the figure you want to get, or you're not going to get the figure you're going to get, mm-hmm. or you're going to get there and, like I just said, you're going to find a box, get it home, and wait a minute, this crappy 1992 GoBot is not supposed to be the 2022 yeah. figure. That you know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, what I tell people is then, if you're a diehard collector already. And this comes mm-hmm. up a lot of times. Like everybody's like, "Well, I don't like scalpers and stuff like that." Yeah, there's certain times pre-orders are tough, but if you just are willing to pay, you're already paying twenty three dollars for a regular figure at this point. Oh yeah, it's not lie. Cost is a thing. So if you're already spending that much money, if you're spending ninety dollars on a current Motor Master, just support a website of your choice, whether it be Hasbro Pulse, TF Source, uh, Big Bad Toy Store. Just pay the extra few bucks. You're going to get yeah. the item you want. You're not going to have to deal with scalping. Uh, Big Bad yeah. Toy Store is really good about packaging. I haven't had too much issue with Hasbro. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But as an adult, you have the capability to go out, pre-order stuff. You're going to guarantee yeah. get the items you need. And it's going to arrive usually in good shape. And you're going to get the item you wanted. So, I mean, as an adult, and you want to be a diehard collector, quit going to Walmart every five minutes and looking... Just support a website, pick one, and go. It'll be guaranteed yeah. better. I mean, and and that's been my biggest thing since I started this show back in 2009, is that from 2009 and even slightly before then, if you absolutely want whatever figure it is, like you've just said, you know, go there, support whichever one you want to support, and you're guaranteed, like, I don't, like toy hunting used to be a thing for me. Yep. I don't want to go out to a st- I, nah, people. Ugh, no, I'll just sit here in front of my computer <laughs> and just yeah. wait for it. <laughs> I, I'm in a town of 30,000 people. That's not very uh-huh. big. There are no, no less than 45 people who just buy toys to resell. I have a list Jesus. of all these people. And so when you go to a toy store, it's kind of a bummer because the kids don't get the toy they want. And I do feel bad about that. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, I have people who are like, dang, dude, I was really looking for this guy. Now I have to wait for like six months. I'm like, you could just pre-ordered him. And I'm aware cash is a problem too. So if that's, you know, there yeah. are some people who are stuck just going to stores and I don't want to sound elitist. And I'm sorry that's come to that. But there comes a point where you got to step up your game and decide, am I doing this casually or if I want to do this on a higher level and the people that are getting angry are people who are already spending, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars a month on this hobby. They uh, need to quit going. It's... If you're spending that much money, you need to quit going to Walmart every day looking for that item to come in. You should have just pre ordered it ahead of time. Yep, absolutely. 
Do you open your toys or do you leave them in the package? If you keep toys packaged, do you have any specific criteria for that? I do. Um, I have a really weird system for it. So if I go out and buy a brand new toy on the market right now, 90% of the time I'm going to open it. Uh, there are a few occasions where I get a set in where I don't want to open it. One of those was this really nice box set of uh, the Junkians Trial from the Transformers movie. I don't remember the set name right now. Yeah, but it came with yeah. like a Sharktacon guard, and it came with a Quintesson, and it came with Kranix, the little guy who gets killed. Uh, and it's in this gorgeous, gorgeous presentation box. I couldn't get myself to open that. I was like, I like it in the box. Otherwise, when I buy vintage figures, if I pay... I went to a comic shop one time, and I bought, like, 25 package Transformers for, like, less than 500 bucks. Maybe it was even 30, and it was a really good deal. So I said, screw it, even though they were, like, 15 years old, I'm opening all mm. of them. And I opened yeah. all of them. I didn't care. But if I'm buying a G1 toy that's mint in box, I'll probably leave it in box. Um, yeah. The only exception I've had like that was I bought a uh, a media robot, a very vintage old 80, like 1980, 81 toy. And it came new on card, but the bubble was slowly coming off. And as I went to hang it, like three quarters of the bubble popped off. I'm not mad at the seller. So I was like, screw it. I'm opening them. Yeah. I, was, I hated to do that, but I, I paid next to nothing for it. So old, the older, about 15 years or older, I don't like to open the packaging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, sometimes that's, I mean, I know there are plenty of either mint on seal card or mint in seal box or just mint in box or mint on card collectors out there. You're not always going to find those on eBay or no. in most, in most comic shops, most like you just said, you know, you buy five, 10, 15 bags of, of figures. Like, just like when I bought the Sastrofan a couple months ago off eBay, I knew it was coming loose. It came with everything except the box. It came with the instructions. It came with the decoder. It came with all of it. It just didn't come with the box. And I was fine with that because I knew I was going to have it sitting here on my desk in one of the three modes that he has. Absolutely. So, yeah. If as a kid or an adult, you were only allowed to choose one toy franchise to collect from, which would you choose and why? That's tough, bro. <laughs> you already know what my answer is going to be. Uh, it's Transformers. I, I swear to God, man, it's got to be Transformers over Battle Beasts, but that would almost be a coin flip. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, man. It just like look, battle beasts are great. I absolutely loved them when I was a kid, and I love seeing what you're doing with the unofficial battle beast guide that you're putting together. But yeah. like those to me are more like you were talking earlier about. You know, you're worried your friends would screw up your toys because they always smash them together. Yeah, like battle beasts to me never looked like. You sat there with your thumb on their stomach or chest or whatever, trying to get the rub sign to rub or whatever. Like, that's what those were for. Those were not for, like, hardcore playground playtime. They are there to look at, display, and figure out if water or fire or air is going to come out of any of them at any point in time. I took every single one of my Battle Beasts into the tub with me, and all <laughs> the pickers are gone. Oh... That's a damn shame. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 
as an adult, do you prefer vintage toys or modern toys? Uh, vintage. I, I, it's that nostalgia feel. It's being able to hunt down what I got as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a shelf that's just dedicated to toys that I had as a kid. So it's a Tootsie Toy SR-71. It is a... Um, I think it was Matchbox that had a fabulous Thunderbirds vehicle from one of their music videos. I have one of those. Uh, it's just items that were specifically things I loved as a kid. So the vintage is more fun for me, uh, especially when you get into like the old tin Japanese toys. Those are just... There was so much more love put into a toy then. Mm. Yeah. Out of all the toys that you do have, what is one toy you can always play with? Dude, any of my Battle Beasts, I love picking up. I, there's a reason why I have them next to my workspace, because sometimes I'll have writer's block or something. I'll just pick up a few and just look them over. Also, I have uh, a couple of D&D minis and like a little wind-up Godzilla that shoots sparks out of his mouth. And then uh, I also have my G1 shelf next to my desk, so any G1 toy I can just pick up and fidget with a little bit and just enjoy. Very cool, very cool. Even though there are always toy lines that people never purchase, are there any that you specifically and purposefully avoid? This can be toy lines, specific characters, etc. There was a time where I thought McFarlane was saving the world of toys with renovate, just reinvigorating what it was to collect toys. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, he started getting to where all of his figures were like statues, you know, statue slash action figures. And he just hit a point where I just quit touching any of his stuff. Uh, Today, there's a lot of toys out there I just avoid. I I can't think of one offhand, but if I walk through the toy aisle, I'd be like, yeah, no, I'm not touching that. (laughs) Are there any toys in the past or currently that you wish you hadn't bought them? Conversely, are there any toys that you may have sold that you regret letting them go? So there used to be a toy line called Barnyard Commandos. And I was, like, all about the advertising. I was like, heck, yeah, I'm going to go get these. And I bought them. And they were made out of this hollow, like, blow-mold plastic. And then the accessories were, like, this weird crap. I didn't like that. Um, Nickelodeon Gak was single-handedly the worst thing I ever bought as a kid. Ever. Because that crap stank to high heaven. And it had the plastic chips in it that would cut you up. Yep. I remember Gak. Yep. And then what was the last half of that question? Uh, are there any toys that you may have sold that you wish you hadn't let go of them? Uh, not counting a prototype tidal wave. Um, I would say my micro machines. I kind of regret having sold those as a kid. Those were really cool. I had some cool mm. sets. Very cool. Very cool. How large or small is your toy collection? Do, do your toys take up the whole house, or are they relegated to one room, shelf, or something like that? <laughs> I have, uh, let me think here. I probably have about 15 to 20 books, uh, eight-foot bookshelves, completely filled with action figures. Um, I probably have about 17 totes filled with action figures. Uh, I mean, I have well over 10,000 toys of some sort, a good majority of that being Transformers. Um, Mm. They take up an entire side room in my house, my whole office space, and then a lot of room in the storage area. That just, I don't have room to display them. 
<laughs> wow. But yeah, uh, and in my original collection, way back in the day, I had well over 50,000 pieces in my collection with my dad. Whoa. And that's not that, just Transformers. That was anything uh, yeah. and everything nerdy. Yep. So how do you keep track of your collection? <laughs> so uh, I used to keep kind of a mental list, but when you start getting up in those thousands of numbers, uh, mm-hmm. there are so many times I've repurchased something. Uh, so I've only recently started actually cataloging everything. So I'm redoing all my Transformer shelves, organizing them by series. And as I take five figures out to put on a shelf, I'll write them down in a list. So that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, because it kind of sucks. I, I just went and bought a G1 Transformer case while I was on a trip from a friend. Came home, uh-huh. and I was like, crap, I don't have a place to set this on the shelf right now. So I was like, okay, there's a spot. And I set it right on top of another G1 Transformer <laughs> case that I didn't even know I had. Oh, uh, no. So I was like, well, I only spent 10 bucks, but uh, I really yeah. got really to get this collection organized. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, but we now live in an age of technology where you would think that somebody out there would have some sort of toy catalog that they could then turn into a net. Like, this will be a question here in a few minutes, but with Funko, Funko has their app. Anytime you either want a Funko Pop or a Funko product, not just pops, but anytime you you put it on your wish list or if you add it to your collection, and it's right all right there. All like I I know I have 188 Funko Pops. That's cool. Oh, okay, great. Why doesn't somebody else do that with any other like just a whole toy app like? You know, I, I bet know. there is, but it's probably buried <laughs> in bad programming and microtransactions. Oh, I'm that. sure there is something out there that uh, it's just, I don't want crap on anybody's project if it is out there. But Right, right, right. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah. So like in your office and in your side room and in other places where you have the toys displayed, how do you prefer to display your toys? Um, I try to conserve as much space as possible. So... When you look at my shelves, it's very claustrophobic, very crowded, big stuff in the back down to medium-sized stuff and smaller going towards the lip. So, like, a lot of my Transformer shelves average between 25 to 35 figures. Um, I, I have to min-max space. So, it's like right now, all my Dino Rider stuff right now was taking up too much room, so it's just in storage. Because I just don't have room to display it. Uh, my D&D minis that I have. I have hundreds upon hundreds of D&D minis. I don't have a way to display those right now. So mm-hmm. they're just all in storage. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. how I display them is big stuff going towards the front. And then anything that's boxed or carded either goes up on the wall or up on the top of the shelves. Right. Absolutely. If you could only keep one toy from your entire collection, what would it be and why? Now, usually how I preface this is everybody is safe. Humans, pets, other living things are safe. But the house is burning down and you have to run in to save one thing. I would want to say my HasLab Unicron, but honestly, God, it would be a <laughs> um, a handmade little felt animated, um, I think it was Blitzwing. I'd have to check now. But it's a little handmade felt doll transformer that my wife mm-hmm. got for me as an anniversary gift. And I just would feel like garbage if I picked a giant expensive thing and not a gift from my wife. 
There you go. So on the flip side of that, here's the toy box challenge. You get one 18 by 18 box, 18 by 18 by 18 box. The only toys you can keep have to fit in the box. What can you pack into it? Transformers, Armada, Minicons, or Cybertron, any kind of Minicon figure from, like, the Armada Saga. One space mm-hmm. on that mold, my Battle Beasts. Um, Transformer decoys, and probably a few D&D minis. I would put, find cool. a bunch of small stuff and make a lot of it. Yeah, that's that's the smart thing to do. I mean, now, if, of course, if we had that, you know, dishwasher slash washing machine box that Unicron comes in, mm-hmm. you can put whole rooms in that thing. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> so when I got my HasLab Unicron, the guy just dropped it off directly in front of my door. And uh-huh. so I was like, okay, oh, man, it's here. And I was like, I got to go out in the lobby of my apartments and grab it real quick. And I opened my door and I was like, oh, no. And so he put it right up against my door. And then when mm-hmm. I opened the door, there's a radiator on the outside, and the box is so dang big, it hit that, so I had to shut the door, go and unlock a side door that we never use, go around this big, long hallway, down some stairs, come back up into the house, and get it that way, and come all the way back with this giant two-foot box. And it was hilarious. Oh, Jesus. That, yeah, that's so, crazy. But now it takes a massive section, like, in my uh, storage, so. Wow. <clears throat> Are you a Funko fan? Uh, casually. I don't have a lot. I do have most of the Transformer Funkos. Uh, my wife is more of a Funko fan than I am. She has a bunch of them. Okay. Not like anywhere near 100, but she collects a lot of the Lord of the Rings and the Disney stuff. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah, it's always it always surprises me now what they're going to do next with Transformers and Funko. And I'm not really a fan of NFTs, but man, some of those potential, like they put Devastator in that. They put Hot Rod in the NFT. I'm like, really? Seriously? There's NFT Funkos? Yeah. So they had a Funko drop. Yeah, they... They did NFT Funko Pops, and if you open a certain, you know, what I don't know how the NFT things work. A buddy of mine explained it to me, but I don't remember. So basically, yes, eventually you can get a physical Funko Pop of, uh, I believe it's Golden Optimus Prime. So there's that, there's Hot Rod, there's Devastator. Devastator is a six inch pop, so he's larger, obviously. And yeah, it, it's a little crazy, but the, the latest thing that they announced that's coming, well, it actually came earlier this month, was the 10 and a half inch Unicron that is actually, because yeah. with, with Hasbro's uh, license with Funko is that Funko can make pops of Transformers, but they have to be based off of toy design. Like you look at Optimus, you look at, that's why Soundwave will never probably have red eyes because it'll never be anime. It'll always be toy accurate. And the 10 and a half inch Unicron is based on HasLab Unicron. (laughs) So I'm sitting here thinking 10 and a half inches versus two feet tall. I can find somewhere at some point, somehow. (laughs) I'm looking at these. So you paid $30 for 15 NFT trading cards? Yeah, it it's a whole 
Yeah, NFTs are... I'm, I'm too old. I don't understand it. I'm on yeah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody explained it to me, and I know a guy who is really big into them and whatever else, and I'm just like, can I just wait a year or two when the actual physical yeah. pops or show up on eBay or something? Because, like, yeah, it's, it's a whole, you know. So I assume, but I could be wrong... Because, you know, what happens when you assume things? I assume, what was the most money you spent on a toy? I assume it was Unicron. And nothing. You belong to me. No. I belong to nobody! Perhaps I misjudged you. Yes, no, no, yes. <laughs> so it's technically the most I have ever spent on... It's technically multiple toys, but it was a single item, but not a collection. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I spent $4,000 on a Battle Beast refill kit. This was a item only for a promotional event in Japan where you as a representative of Takara had a punch box display and kids could get little prizes from it. But if you ran out of prizes, you could order a refill kit. <clears throat> and this, what I have here, is a refill kit. So it came with 25 packs of weapons. It came with uh, two incredibly rare battle beasts, a third pretty rare battle beast, and a uh, little uh, vehicle that went with it. And that vehicle also was only available in that punch box display. So by getting all this together, there's maybe five of these in existence that are known to be complete. I saw it come up for sale. I was like, I'm buying that. So it's multiple figures, but not because it's a complete set. Yeah. Otherwise, um, I have spent five to seven hundred dollars on figures many, many times. Yeah, I think the biggest purchase I ever did was again. It was it was the yeah it was the did I also get the, the add-ons yeah two thousand eight shattered glass botcon set. Okay, that I think I spent. Yeah, well, it can now. Back then, back then it was when it originally came out. It was just north of eight hundred and sixty dollars shipped. So yeah, and I got obviously the five figures plus the Rodimus and the whatever the other okay, yeah. two, whatever the other two uh, uh, souvenir figures were. What? So, all right, that's the most expensive. What is the cheapest toy you bought, and what was the best deal you ever got on a toy? <laughs> uh, went to a garage sale one time with my dad, and mm -hmm. uh, he got the car a little bit ahead of me because this is before we had phones with GPS and crap on. So I had my newspaper out, and I'm circling, like, I'm figuring out our battle plan for the day, where we're all going to go across in this town. <clears throat> and I see my dad... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lean over a free box, and I see him hip check a smile, small kid. I don't mean violently, but he leaned down and gently pushed a kid out of the way and then picked up a box and, like, pointed his fingers to his eyes to me like, do you see this? 
And I was like, oh, what'd he do? Why'd my dad just push a kid out of the way? Like, what the hell? And I get up there. I'm like, what's up? And as I walk up, he pushes the box into my gut and he goes, you owe me. And there were 20 mint G1 figures all complete inside. Six or seven jets, the complete Dinobots, an Optimus Prime with trailer for free. Holy crap. And this was in around 2003 to 2005-ish. Uh, so, you know, at the time, even then, it wasn't as expensive now. But I was like, well, yeah. So I, I was in debt to him for a real long time. That was easily <laughs> the best deal I've ever had. Yeah. Wow. That's that's awesome. Other than, like, friends giving me certain things, because that's not, you know, that's that's gifts. It's not, you know, whatever. But... I think the best deal I got was I ended up spending like $5 on three bottles of Dr. Pepper and you could mail away for a Justin Guarini little sweet Funko Pop from Diet Dr. Pepper. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So what modern and or vintage toy lines are you currently collecting? Obviously Transformers, Battle Beast. Um, I'm kind of sort of doing Dino Riders when I can afford to. Uh... I collect any of the D&D minis from the 3.5 up to 4th edition. Because at 5th edition, they switched companies. And I'm not really after those right now. Um, what else do I do? I collect uh, anything Joseph Michael Linsner artwork. So he does a character called Don. I collect all of his stuff. Um, and then there's a few other minor things in between, but those are my main ones. Oh, and Godzilla. Jeez, I don't know how I forgot that. Godzilla stuff. Anything Godzilla. I, I For listeners, I'm sorry. I, I have to tell this story every time. <laughs> I, I, I have no, no disrespect to the king of monsters, but the only thing... Godzilla related I absolutely crack up and la laugh at is in Goldmember. Look, it's Godzilla! Due to international copyright laws, it isn't. But we should run like it is Godzilla! <laughs> I forgot about that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. that. That is one of my favorite lines from any of those, those God, films. Do you visit now? Obviously, I, I. So for me, even though people are like, "Oh, COVID's kind of blah," you know, it's it's what it, we're still in it. I I personally, yep. this is my personal. Like, look, this has nothing to do with the podcast. It has nothing to do with the geekcaster. <laughs> this is my personal opinion. If we had not, you know, if certain people had not done what they did during the first lockdown, we may be on the other side of this thing now, but with this whole new variant thing and everything else. So I don't go anywhere. I don't do anything. I, I don't do that in general. But did you, before in the before times, go to toy shows and that kind of thing? And what are your thoughts on the whole convention thing before and after? Okay. So um – I used to own a, a like a larger toy store, uh, and now it's just all online stuff. I do uh, storage, but um, so going to conventions was life. So I didn't go to big, big ones like like in uh, Minneapolis or anything like that. We did a lot of local day cons or three day conventions, and uh, you know those supplement my income pretty well. Like a good three day con can make me the same amount of money in a month as you know three weeks worth of eBay stuff sometimes. Um, mm. But when the COVID hit, my wife is a, uh, she works at a nursing home. So we had to take it incredibly seriously. And when I say incredibly seriously, I am talking, she would come home 
I wouldn't even get near her. She would, uh, you know, strip down, hop in the shower, scrub off like it was radioactive material. All of her clothing had to go in plastic bags and immediately be sequestered from the rest of the house. Uh, yeah. Because if we bring that in, uh, realistically, people die. And uh, yeah. not to be a Debbie Downer, but, you know, people in her work didn't take it seriously, brought COVID in. And that started oh. a trend where they might have 12 deaths a year. They were having over 24 deaths a year. Double the oh. death rate. All because of this. All because some people had to go out and get drunk and party. And I mean, that's really irresponsible. Uh, but where I live is uh, South Dakota. And if you haven't been to South Dakota, it's the Wild West. Uh, so there was, uh, unless a company like Walmart made the effort, there was no restrictions in our state whatsoever. And when I say no, I mean, we probably had the freest, if not one of the freest states to move around in. Our population actually went up during COVID because people actually moved here because they thought like, yay, like this is, this is fight the system stuff. So again, not to be too political here, but yeah, um, we took it very seriously. And thankfully all the day cons around here took it very seriously. So everything shut down for two and a half years. Only now have we started slowly coming back, starting with October of last year. People still taking it very seriously then with masks and stuff. Um, I am now, however, you know, I'm triple vaccinated. My wife is. She's been exposed. I've been exposed. So we, uh, you know, we don't wear masks anymore, but uh, we still take it seriously. So, like, once in a while, we know there's going to be, like, when we go bigger cons, like, coming up here in October, we're going to one. Uh, we will have masks with. So if we think there's getting to be too many people at the booth, we're going to pop on our mask. Uh, we will we'll have hand sanitizer. We'll shower when we get back to the hotel. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I get it. It's go at your own risk. If you want to wear a mask, definitely wear a mask. If you are not vaccinated personally, I kind of ask that you don't go to these events. Yeah. Because like, yeah. you could be, uh, Amy and I were asymptomatic. There's no way you would yeah. know that we had COVID if it wasn't for yeah. the fact that they tested her at work. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. Everybody just needs to be careful and be safe yeah. for I mean, for everybody. Not you know, not just like you know. If I'm gonna and I don't, and people people listening to this show have heard me say this before. I'm not a I'm not an in person people person. Okay, you and I you and I can sit here for five hours until you're ready to pass out and talk <laughs> all night long, and I'll be fine and happy and dandy. I may have to stand up and stretch, but yeah. like. I could do that more than I want to leave my apartment, my, you know, comfort zone. And like half the time as I was, and it wasn't just because I was becoming a teenager, half the time I didn't want to go to my grandmother's house because it's like, oh, my mom is here. This is here. That's, but like, they didn't want to come home. I'm like, I want to go home. I want to go to bed. I'm okay. young, damn it. <laughs> so, you know, like, like it's like everybody's always like, oh, the early bird special at 4.30. I'm like, okay, fine. 4.30 early bird special. I'll be in bed by 8.30. See ya later. Yeah. And that was like when I was in my 20s, not not even now when I'm in my 40s. So, you know. so when I go to conventions, see, I'm not much of a people person. I'm really introverted. I have my little office space here. My wife likes to just come home from work and go to TV. Like as a married couple, we are almost always in two separate rooms. Not because it's cliche. It's just that's our comfort level. Uh, but when we're at a convention, we can be very sociable as long as we have that table of space between us. Cause then it's Mm -hmm. like, you're an NPC, you're in shop mode. You're like, I got this separation between you and me. You can't be next to me. You can interact with me, 
But um, it's usually pretty good until we get that one guy who lingers around uh, our table forever, and then we're just like, "Oh no, we we've 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 got to quit talking because suddenly there's a box of stuff we need to organize." Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. But yeah. yeah, as long as I have that separation between me, I seem to do okay. Yeah, there you go. What do you think it is about our generation that causes our childhood toys to mean so much more to us than, say, for instance, our parents' generation? Uh, that's a tough one. I think marketing is different. Uh, it started with, like, you know, like my dad would get comics and trade them for cigarettes. He'd read them, destroy them, play with them in a fork, trade them for some cigarettes. Uh, toys were meant to be played with and played with hard, okay? They were tin, they were beat to hell. Uh, that litho, the, the design on t- tin toys wears off over time. They weren't meant to last. Sans, you know, Tonka. Tonkas were like, I mean, that's the slogan. But, uh, yeah. um, in the 1970s and 80s, you saw a big shift where like toys start being like, you know, the living commercials. And I think that they had storylines with them that really just created an attachment. So when you ask a G.I. Joe fan, like, what do you love? They will, Go on for the next 40 hours. You ask yep. me what I love about Transformers, I will not shut up. Uh, <laughs> and it's because there's this stronger connection to the toy. They're no longer just some random toy you had as a kid. When you look at Optimus Prime, when you look at Strawberry Shortcake, when you look at She-Ra, He-Man, Thundercats, you have these stories that replay in your head. Not just from mm-hmm. physical play, but from TV, movie shows, books, advertising. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in as a generalization, everyone always says, oh, the 80s were just big commercials for the toys. Yeah. And look, not, look, any cartoon series from the 80s that has at least two-parters in it is not ge- – like those writers wrote stories because they wanted to write – like uh, is it – I think it's both He-Man and Transformers that David Wise wrote – Day of the Machines. That's the episode title for both shows, for both individual episodes. With like Day of the Machines for Transformers, I believe was Tark Three or whatever he was called. Uh, he Man, I don't remember. But like, I remember when you know, may the man rest in peace. But we actually got a chance to talk to David Wise a decade and a half ago, and he was talking about, well, yes, technically these are just toys and whatever, but you still have to put a story behind that and you have to make it mean something. Again, uh, asking G.I. Joe fan about the battle for the weather dominator. Holy crap. They will. That was a thing, man. That was a thing as a kid, even on the playground. Yep. I didn't watch G.I. Joe, but when that unfolded, kids were talking about it. Like it was, that was our news. We're like, holy crap. Did you see like Cobra built the damn thing? And like, you're like, Oh my God. And like, what the hell? And, that wasn't a commercial to us. That was, that was our was, sagas. That was our soap operas as children. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. What is your motivation for purchasing toys to display, play, fiddle, describe your collecting style? Uh, secretly and heart, I am not a human. I am a dragon, and I need to hoard. <laughs> uh, that is my. Uh, I've never really questioned it. It is a desire to collect and represent and preserve. I want to mm. 
Anytime people come in, I feel bad for them because I'm like, dude, you got to look at my collection. They'll be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, now the history lesson begins. And you can sometimes see people like, cool, I want to go in the other room now. I'm like, no, no, this is where you live while you're in my <laughs> yeah. house. Says like, this is important and you need to know, like, you need to know why the backpack on Boba Fett was different several times and then never got released that way and then just didn't have a firing backpack. By God, you need to understand why that's so important 35, 45, 55 years later. And that's that's my reasoning. I just want so, to preserve and tell the stories. Right. So why is that so important to a character that doesn't really matter after he got eaten by a Sarlacc? <laughs> you know what, though? But to this day, ask any toy designer and be like, Jet, you know, like, how about uh, a faulty little trigger? And you can bring up Boba Fett or Battlestar Galactic, and they're like, yeah, we're never doing that crap again. They're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have n- even at, like, so there, as a kid, I remember this, like, just, it's, it's stuck with me my whole life. At, and I, at the end of Star Wars, I'm like, wait, that's it? They get medals, they go home, that's it? Where's the rest of this story? Uh-huh. And then obviously, and then obviously, Empire and whatever else. But between that point of oh my god, it it just ends, and then with Boba Fett, it's like, why am I as a? I want to say I was yeah, it was either either eighty seven or eighty eight. Obviously, I know seventy seven, eighty, and eighty three. But by the time I saw the trilogy, I was anywhere from six to nine years old in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So. Between Empire and Jedi, I'm like, why am I supposed to care about this stupid bounty hunter? And I felt like that. Yeah, like I just never cared about him, you know, and whatever else. It's only there are only two times in the past 14 years that I've podcasted that I've actually ever said that I actually (laughs) liked or cared. And that was when they did. um, Oh, it was. Was it before? uh, Yeah. Django and Boba, and then Boba Fett is dead. The comics—I forget which ones it is—but like, there's a there's like a, a whole episode of of the other podcast, the Pull Bag, where my buddy Ryan and I review some Boba Fett comics. And I said to him, this was back in like 2014 or so. I said to him, I'm like, okay, finally I get it, and I can kind of care about him, but yeah. I'd prefer Luke or Han or, hell, I'd prefer Greedo over Boba Fett. See, I always loved the (laughs) B and C characters. Like, I was one of those kids who, uh, what are they called, the Tanika sister or Tanika sisters, whatever. They're in, like, five seconds of the damn movie. As a kid, I was like, I want to know more about them. Those look awesome. And then I had to wait years for them until they showed up in a short storybook. And the second I found out that short storybook got written, I immediately went out and bought it. Because these guys, and my dad's like, why do you care? They were in the movie for four seconds. I was like, I don't know. They look cool. I want to know their names. I want to know about them. So that's why <laughs> I, I, like, I'm not a big Boba Fett fan. But I just like, right. yeah. um, I mean, I'm all about Bosk. But again, why should you care about a guy who's in like four seconds of the movie? But Honestly, Bosk is a hell of a lot cooler than Boba Fett. So, my man, yeah. <laughs> you know. Do you do any toy modifications or customs, painting, p- building, building dioramas, that kind of stuff? Um, well, I have a condition called essential tremors, so uh, my hands shake a little bit, so it looks kind of like Parkinson's, but it's different. Uh, it's okay. not like life-threatening, it's just super bloody annoying. 
Uh, so any kind of work with my hands is really, really tough. Like I used to be able to draw. I can't anymore. Uh, like right now I physically can't even write longer than about a sentence before I have to quit. So I was never one to do a lot of medium stuff like modeling or painting or anything mm -hmm. like that. And then nowadays, um, I don't know what it is, but like, uh, people always have these upgrade kits and that's fine for me. I've never seen the desire for an upgrade kit once. I just, I don't modify anything I have, really. There are only two instances, and I, I never had a chance to have them, because I, I just never did. Uh, it's, uh, is it, it's Shadow Commander, and what was the Shattered Glass one called? So, Fans Project, which I don't even know if they're still around or not, they put out City Commander, Shadow Commander, and then I know at one point or another they put out an upgrade kit for the BotCon 2008 Shattered Glass Optimus. Never really cared about City Commander because it's Ultra Magnus, and Ultra Magnus is fine and all, but, like, that Shadow Commander for the, the Nemesis Prime uh, uh, Classics figure, I was like, ooh, I would love to have that one day. Never got it, but that that's as, as far as I had ever gone with upgrade kits as far as, like, checking them out and see what they're for and, and yeah. seeing what it's all about. Okay. So. Do you think toy companies should specifically have adult collector toys, child toys, or find a way to mix both? Whatever works for that company. It's going to be varied on what kind of company is going out there. Hasbro, Takara have found a beautiful balance of continuing children's toys while still appealing to the adult collector. Funko Pop somehow hit it right out of the park, right off the bat. Um... But I liked companies, too, like McFarland, who was like, hey, kids, you're cool and stuff, but uh, I'm going to do some of these, like, badass Viking things, and they're going to have blood on them, and you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, I was a big fan of the Playboy figures that came out uh, way back in the early 2000s. I had a few of those. Um, and then there's some current lines now that are, uh, you know, some people might see them as like, oh, it's just a naked doll or whatever. But uh, there's this company that does these like super detailed, 100% uh, legitimately accurate toys. But the costumes are like all hand sewn and stuff. So mm -hmm. they do popular characters. And you can be like, this is cooler than a statue. Because now it's a statue that instead of just stuck in the same pose forever, I can be like, okay, I'm going to switch it around. It looks like this now. And uh, I kind of think that's cool too. So it depends on the company on how they want to present themselves. They got to find the right balance. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing with what with Funko, like I just want the characters I love, like the characters that I care about. I don't care about actually playing with them. Okay, yeah. You know, so it is that Do you have a my parents got rid of my toys story? Uh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so my dad my dad would never have done that to me. Uh, however, uh, he reconnected with an ex-flame. She came in. Oh, no. And uh, I came home one day from school, and she's like, well, I donated a bunch of stuff. And I was like, are you out of your damn mind? And I yelled at her. Like, I told her that. as like, So I am 13. I'm like looking her dead in the face. I'm like, are you out of your damn mind? And she about laid me out for that one. And I, my dad came home, and he's like, you did what? He's like, that is his stuff. You don't touch his stuff. And he's like, what if he came in our room and wrecked our stuff? She's like, well, he can't. He's a kid. He's like, in this household going forward, you don't touch his stuff. That's his stuff. 
He wants to get rid yeah. of it. He gets rid of it. And that's the way I was raised was my stuff was my stuff. My dad never got rid of stuff unless, uh, like, I lost all my stuff one time, but he locked it up in a room. He didn't throw it away. Uh, yeah. I, I had to earn it back. But, like, uh, so that was the only time. Uh, so a lot of my original, original Transformers, about a half of them disappeared one day. So if you were in oh. Sioux Falls in 1994 <laughs> and you went to a Goodwill and you found all that, I hate you. <laughs> yeah damn oh god do you feel like you're coming to an end of your active collecting if so what has signified this phase for you um no uh my collecting has changed a bit uh right now you know my money situation is good as it was say 10 years ago uh mm-hmm. but I am stepping away from collecting modern on-the-shelf figures unless they're exclusives through, like, Hasbro Pulse, uh, mainly because uh, a really good example is there's going to be, uh, you know, there's a Stunticon set coming out over, like, some of it's out right now and some of it's coming out. So you got to spend $90 on the uh, main figure right off the bat, $90. And then say, what, $25 times four figures, that's $190 for five figures. Uh, the other day, my dad went out to an antique shop and for 160 bucks came home with 30 or 35 vintage figures from G1 through Machine Wars. I would rather have that 100 times over. For 190 bucks, I could buy a really rare Laser Beast from 40 years ago. I just... That's a better use of my money. So I'm stepping away from buying new, new stuff until the prices settle down a bit. I can't justify that much money. I, I can't for one yeah. figure. When I, I mean, $90 for a Motormaster or for 125 bucks, you can probably get a Stunticon set in rough shape, missing a few weapons. Would you rather have one modern figure or like the original vintage set? Yeah, true. Yeah, that is crazy. Was there ever a moment where you were completely done with toys, and have you ever considered stopping completely? <sighs> um, a couple of times I've had to sell my collection. It wasn't because I was done with them. Mm-hmm. I was in a situation in my life where I needed money, and I had to sell it all. And um, I regret it every time. And I will tell you, I'm a diehard, so I came back uh, in 2007, and I made... Myself, a personal promise, I said, I will never sell my collection again. And since then, I sold all my D&D books, but I never I never did anything with them anymore for like seven years. So I was like, they need to go to someone else. And that was so I could buy that $4,000 set. And then I gave the yeah. rest of it. And I gave the rest of it to my wife. So I was like, whatever. So no, I will, I will never stop collecting. Not once, ever. Yeah. I think for me, it was more of... Like you said, it was, you know, for me, it was back in 2011 because from 2005 to 2010, I had a pretty decent job, pretty decent money coming in. And, you know, when you want to recapture your childhood, you're, you end back then in those days, you ended up spending 120 bucks per figure for a vintage figure on eBay. Uh, either buy it now or sometimes you get into a weird auction or whatever, but. But by 2011, my mom was having issues, and I was having issues, and I just had to sell it all, and I just kind of, yep. I just kind of walked away. My buddy who helped me start this podcast, he had passed away that year, 
And I was like, why am I continuing? Like, I continued the podcast up until about 2014, and then it's been dormant since last year when we brought it back because I had a new direction, and obviously we're doing this Origins thing now. So, yeah, by 2011, do I, did I still love toys and still enjoy toys and still want to talk? Yeah, absolutely. And I love looking at them, but I didn't need to have actual action figures and then I saw late 2016, early 2017, I saw the WWE 2K16 Stone Cold Funko Pop. And I'm like, oh, it's Mighty Mugs, but way later and much better. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> better than Mighty Mugs. <laughs> I mean, Mighty Mugs were awesome for the time, but <laughs> yeah. What is something that does not have a toy of it you'd love to have in toy form? Um, damn, dude. Uh, <laughs> These are hard-hitting questions. We don't, we don't pull any punches around here. Um, man, that's tough to say. Uh, I think someone already did do this, though, but I would be really down with a PVC... Like, say, about three-inch PVC figures of deities from around the world. Like, collections of, like, Buddhist goddess and Christian religious characters and, uh, uh, say, Indo-American characters and Native American characters. I don't know. I just, for some reason, I'm really obsessed with, like, mythology and religion. I think that would be, like, a really cool figure set. I mean, you could do a Muhammad, obviously. That's not even a joke. That's, like, a very important thing to them. So, yeah. I mean... I don't know how you would do that one. Maybe like a picture of the dome on the rock or something. But like, I think it would be really cool because I, you know, I'm Buddhist, so it'd be cool to have action figures or little mini figures of some of the deities and my pantheon. You know, it'd be it'd be neat. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. What is a toy that you'd love to have scaled up and functional for the real world? Oh, man. Uh, well, my original guess, I was like, hell yeah, I know what to say. And then I was like, because I figured like four or five feet, but functional in the real world. Yep. Okay. So my, my, my original response was going to be tidal wave, but that would be like a, uh, you know, 400 foot long battleship that transforms yeah. with. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think no. that would put me as an enemy of worlds, uh, like <laughs> nations. So, um, yeah, you know, you think you'd have to be like a thousand miles off the Pacific Ocean. To, yeah. To, yeah. Yeah. You build one of those. I think any nation can openly fire on you, and anybody would be like, "Yeah, no." Nah, you. He was kind of asking for it. So, um, <laughs> real world scaled up. Damn, dude. I don't know. These are good questions. I like this. Uh, <laughs> all my stuff is like monsters and giant killer robots. Um, you know, it's kind of cheating, but I would love to have a transformer car. Just one of the real cars that the Transformers are based on. I don't have mm. any of them. Like, I always wanted a Lamborghini Countach because, like, you know, Red Alert mm -hmm. and Sunstreaker and stuff. So I guess yeah. I, I don't know if that counts. So No, yeah, absolutely. Like, for me, if I was going to have a real-life Transformer, obviously minus the robot mode, which then would, wouldn't make him a triple changer anymore, but Astro Train. You could travel the rails without having to worry about paying for train tickets, or you could get on a shuttle and, you know, fly across the country without having to worry about the cost of airline tickets or, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
Uh, and I know people, and I said this on a couple a couple episodes ago. I know people have done this, but like anyone who is technical enough to build a working streaming Soundwaver blaster, that would be amazing. Holy crap! Right? I know there was one guy. There's a video. I'll have to see if I can find it to show it to you. But there was one guy on YouTube or somewhere where he actually like put all of that together and ran it off his iPod, you know, kind of thing. So that, that I would love to see that kind of stuff in stores. That would be really cool. Oh yeah. How has your wife dealt with your collection? Patiently. (laughs) No. Um, I mean, she gets annoyed with some of my, uh, antics for sure. But, Mm -hmm. um, she's very patient and she understands and supportive and uh, she's bought me some really cool things for my collection. Like I said, you know, I had that little yarn transformer that she found um, a while back. She bought me a little pink Baragon figure from Godzilla, a theater exclusive. I had sold an orange one I had way back in the day, and it killed me, so she found one for me just because she could. Uh, and a oh, lot of times so she'll cool. find uh, weird dollar toys that are just absolutely hilarious. Like um, Target had these stupid little PVC dinosaurs with, like, pajamas and party hats. Like birthday dinosaurs, <laughs> and they were like yeah. a buck a piece. And she's like, "Eric, we've got to buy these." And I was like, "Hell yeah!" And we bought them all up. And uh, so she's been supportive and patient. Uh, I don't think she's a big fan of losing so much room to all of them, but I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't have a better wife if I asked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when when Karen was still alive, I eventually got like she was never going to be the Funko fan that I was, but. You know, she had certain characters, certain things that meant something to her that, you know, whatever. There's a, I think it's still on Facebook. I'll have to look it up. There's an infamous uh, picture on Facebook of her with the Cousin It, cousin it Funko Pop because her brown hair was so long, like she could literally turn her whole face into Cousin It. So, <laughs> you know, that was, that was a fun, fun memory. Uh, toy collecting can have its struggles. What is one aspect you tend to struggle with the most? Balancing my finances. I'll be honest. There have been many times where I'm like, Eric, you got to pay bills. We got to do this. And then I'll mm-hmm. be like, I'll be like, ooh, 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 is that guy selling a bunch of Transformer comics for a buck a piece? Hell yeah, I'll buy them. And I'll just like, you know, like a reply sale. And I'll be like, bid, 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 yeah. bid, bid, bid. And then I'll be like, cool, I won them all. And then, like, invoice will come in. I'll be like, cool, man. That'll be, like, 280 bucks. I'll be like, hell, I'm in. Oh, damn. And it's like, I don't even question it sometimes. Um, there have been times where I've been on eBay, and I'll see something for, like, 200 bucks. And if I have it in PayPal credit, I'll be like, well, I haven't seen that for that price in a while. Bye. And then Amy will be like, <coughs> Eric, did you really? I've done it right in front of her. And she's like, Eric, are you serious right now? I'll be like, Yeah. She's like, Eric, we needed to pay this. I'm like, they can wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What is one positive and one negative aspect or ne- one positive, one negative memory you have with buying toys? Positive memory. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, stumbling upon a Tidal Wave test shot and working on a deal and getting that uh, or finding a Battle Unicorn from Beast Machines in a store when those were recall, they weren't recalled, but the production run of them was incredibly short. So not a lot hit shelves. And I was one, maybe two or three people in our state to find one. 
Uh, so that was just fun, you know, the thrill of finding the item in the store. Uh, negative experience was only a few, within the last year, I think, maybe year and a half, went into a Target with a friend of mine, uh, co-writer uh, co -writer and photographer for the magazine, Bill Freetag. Uh, mm -hmm. We went into a Target and they had um, the new Panthor that had just come out. I don't remember the exact line. And so they had a case sitting on a cart. And I was like, oh, dude, this is a case. Like, just buy it and set it aside because he's like a diehard He-Man fan. And he's mm -hmm. like, well, won't they yell at me? I was like, dude, I take crap off the carts all the time. You just make sure to scan it. You know, like, look how many are in the carton. Scan the carton. And if they ask up front, be like, hey, man, said like inventory two in the box. I scanned it twice. You know, here's my receipt. I've never had an issue. 25 years now doing this. Mm -hmm. We go do that, and a lady comes around the corner. Now, again, this is mid-COVID, so yeah. you know, we have our masks on. And a lady comes around the corner and slaps it off his hand, like slaps it and rips it off his hand, and oh. starts screaming at us. And she's like, you guys can't do that. You're stealing. And we're like, whoa. And I'm not going to be – I'm not going to lie. We may have gotten a little bit grumpy, a little bit Karen. And, uh, right. Because I was like, lady, you can't touch people during COVID. Are you out of your bloody mind? You're an employee. You can't touch – customers that's yeah. a big thing in retail and she's like well you can't do this you're doing this and the manager came over and yelled at she's like well you guys are always asking our employees when stuff comes in and we're like because we know it's in your back room possibly and we just want to buy stuff and she's like well you can't take stuff in the cart because that's stealing and i was like what and so the lady opens the box with her like she puts the exacto knife out as far as it can rips oh. into the box and she purposely scratches both of them like she goes to the plastic and damages both boxes it's like good now you guys can't resell it and we're like well we weren't going to resell those and even if we did why do you care you just damaged <sighs> your own product and so like as we were walking out you know it's kind of one of those like hey since that's damaged product can we buy that for 15 percent less and then uh <laughs> they they may have yelled at us but like i mean that was near ptsd for me like i was like i didn't want to go back in that store we had like, I had talked to a lawyer about that stuff because I was like, dude, that was, like, near lawsuit. It was – that makes me sound yeah. really Karen-ish, but, like, that was the most negative thing I've ever happened, whereas for 20 years I've been able to go into a place and be like, hey, can I just buy that whole damn case? Or I'll, like, I'll be like, can I open this case? And I'll be like, cool, here's a full run of figures. Can I just take those out? And 9% of the time a guy's going to be like, yeah, I don't want to stock them. I'm like, cool, thank you. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, like – the only way that that could have been considered stealing is if you were putting it under your coat versus putting it in your cart. The only way that that's stolen properly property is if you get out of the store with it under your coat. And that's why they have tags yeah. and the thing goes off and like, wow, like, damn, that sucks. Right? Yeah. All right. So. This can't be anything that has already been made, and this can't be anything that has been recently announced that is coming. If Hasbro gave you the keys to the kingdom and you could create any toy that you would want, what would you want to create? HasLab Tidal Wave. Not even a question. <laughs> I don't care how many times you hear the word Tidal Wave in here. You will hear it a million times from me. I am obsessed with it. Why would you not make a HasLab Titan class or larger tidal wave. There's a thousand play features you could do. Reintroduce mini cons, but of full size transformers. So could you imagine a mini con Optimus Prime and Megatron? Like so they'd be mini con size, but they'd be in scale to mm -hmm. that figure. 
Otherwise, you say it can't be anything they have made or haven't made, but I'm going to break so, the rule on that and say, <laughs> okay, release the Rancor. How oh, dare gosh. you? How dare you not fund that, you fans? That was a beautiful product. Yes, well, you know, it is what it is. I mean, no. You know. <laughs> Can you can you can you imagine half the people that ponied up that six hundred, but it didn't get funded? Oh man, we'd be having transformer riots all over this country. Yeah, but I mean, you get that's a nice thing about crowdfunding. If it doesn't get funded, you get your money back. I just don't well, get yes, why. Obviously, I just don't get why you would limit yourself when you could just leave it open. They're not out anything by leaving it open until it gets funded. That made no sense to me. You know, over time, it will get funded. Like, why not? You already put all the time and effort into designing the dumb thing. Just, Hasbro needs to fix their HasLab project windows. That's all they need to do, and they would have one of the best, like, concepts out there. Yeah. Ah, poor Rancor. Oh, well. What is the one piece of advice you would give the toy collecting fandom in general? Obviously, budget. I, I know I'm in a position where I've kind of gone beyond that, but it will bite you in the ass if you don't budget. Uh, there are times where I have to cancel pre-orders because I'm like, you know what? I, I don't have that. Like uh, Cybertron Metroplex I had slated for November. It mm -hmm. came out early. I had to cancel mine because I was like, I really shouldn't be spending 200 bucks right now. I had it yeah. planned for November, but not now. And, so, and not yeah. the end of the world. I would say uh, if you're just starting collecting, pick a theme. And start small. I love when a plan comes together. Do you want to get into G1 Transformers? I'm like, okay, what about G1 appeals to you? Are you like, well, I like the toys. I like the figures. I like the characters, but I don't have a lot of room. I would say go with the decoys. Start off small. They're cheap. You're not going to spend more than about 25 bucks on one. Uh, you can find lots for really cheap. And the entire set takes up two feet of space. And they look cool. And they're very detailed. Or, um, like, if you're like, man, I miss having, uh, those, uh, I miss this comic line I used to read, but it was like all this crazy stuff. I'd like, go get a trade paperback or two. Those storylines you enjoyed, that's, and so hunting down all these original issues and worrying about condition, just get a trade yeah. paperback or two and see if, like, you actually sit down and read them, or if you go back and go like, okay, the appeal isn't there. Um, start small and pick a lane and just try to stay in that lane for a while and see, how you feel, feel it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I would say as far as picking something, I would say uh, just go with the jump starters. There were only ever two of them. <laughs> no, uh, when people like, I want to start collecting inbox transformers, I'm like, dude, jump starters, 35 bucks in box still. You can find a decent one with box for 35 bucks. They are some of the most common, easy to get things on the planet. I love them. Yep. That's a good spot to start. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear some ads and some other stuff, and we'll be back after this. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is getting expensive. Hi, my name is Dr. Andrea Letamendi, clinical psychologist. And I'm Brian Ward, nerd. And we want to invite you to listen to our new podcast, The Arkham Sessions. It's a podcast dedicated to the fun and geeky analysis of Batman the Animated Series, episode by episode. We pay tribute to the writers and the stories of the animated series. While also exploring the very real psychology behind Gotham's rogues. And maybe even its heroes. All of this and more each week on the Arkham Sessions at underthemaskonline.com. Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio Network presents for your listening pleasure, The Cinema Geek. Hosted by Amanda, Kevin, Matt, and Dan. Each week we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in-depth on reviews, and even have a top ten countdown or two. Also, don't miss our director retrospective series where we review noted director's movies film by film. Bottom line is, if you love movies and love podcasts, you need to experience The Cinema Geeks. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or geekcastradio.com Like science fiction? Of course you do or you wouldn't be listening to the Geekcast Radio Network. Well, the Mark Who 42's Universe podcast is an award-winning sci-fi radio show that's been around for over 10 years. We cover everything from Doctor Who to the MCU to pop culture and everything in between. A new show drops on Tuesday mornings on the GCRN website and all of the major podcast platforms. So listen to the Marku 42's Universe podcast from the universe and beyond. Oh, hey, I got something. Since 2009, we have been the premier cartoon podcast here at the GeekCast Radio Network. We are TuneCast, from taking you beyond the cartoons we grew up with to seasonal saucy toon talk. And now we get the origins of toonsters everywhere as we ask guests... 30 questions about their cartoon watching experiences, plus so much more. Tooncast is back. Join me, TFG and Mike, and the rest of the GCRN crew as we give you all the tune talk you will ever need, only on the GCRN. And wherever you consume your podcasts, we are beyond good, beyond evil, beyond your wildest imagination. We are all tunes all the time here on Tooncast. Yeah. One of the primary themes of ToyCast is that we focus on times past. We are who we are today because of the nostalgic memories and experiences from our childhood. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for the toys that make us so addicted to nostalgia. Times Past Collectibles in Chicago, Illinois is your primary go-to collectible store to reclaim the toys that drove those memories and experiences. Specializing in action figures from all of your favorite toy lines like Star Wars, G.I. Joe, He-Man, Transformers, Silverhawks, Ghostbusters, TMNT, Mask, and more. Get your dose of nostalgia with a shop run by collectors for collectors. Whether you are looking for loose G.I. Joe, Ice Cream Soldier, a packaged Leonardo, recent Star Wars Black Series figures, or an AFA-graded Boba Fett, Times Past Collectibles is bringing you back to your childhood. Visit the shop at 1450 North Ashland Ave in Chicago, 
just two blocks south of Ashland and North Ave, call the shop at 847-830-1031 or email timespasscollectibles1982 at gmail.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just search Times Past Collectibles because, folks, it's past time that you get your collectibles. Hello, all sentient beings. Want the latest on everything going on in the Transformers multiverse? Check out the Transmissions Podcast Network. We've got weekly podcasts covering everything from Alpha Trion to Omega Supreme. From old school G1 all the way up to Cyberverse and beyond. And you don't want to miss Empire of Rust, the world's first and only Transformers live play role-playing game podcast. If you love Transformers, there's something for everyone at TransmissionsPodcast.com. Discover a world of vintage and modern toys that's more than meets the eye with the Triple Takeover Toycast. Hosted by toy writers and photographers Toybox Soapbox, 6-0 and TF Square One, this informal and chilled out series of discussions cover everything from vintage Transformers to Mask, Diaclone, Microman and more, be it nostalgic or current. Whether you're a seasoned collector or a casual robot enthusiast, all are welcome. Triple Takeover Toycast. On the Simplistic Reviews Podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Car, car. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back here on ToyCast with Eric Braley from Toy Robot Magazine. And it is the end of August, folks. We are two days away from, we're actually in the middle of uh, uh, Power Rangers weekend because August 28th is Power Ranger Day because that was the day, you know, 20. Yeah, 29 years ago this year, the Power Jeez. Rangers debuted here in the UA. Out next year is 30th anniversary of Power Rangers. So, yes, Eric does. Eric and Bill do Toy Robot Magazine. And as of this publishing of this episode, you are about to release your ninth issue of the magazine. First of all, who's on the cover and what is one thing that's going to be in the ninth issue? So issue nine will be available for pre-order on September eighth, um, and uh, it's our biggest issue yet because the cover will be Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, and we have a massive interview with them. Uh, so that's the big one. That's is going to be it. This is going to be probably one of the coolest interviews we will ever get to do. And so the cover Great. is them holding our magazine. That's awesome. That is so, so awesome. All right, let people know where they can get the magazine. 
Alright, if you go on to Facebook and look up Toy Robot Magazine, that's T-O-Y-R-O-B-O-T as one word, and then magazine, um, that is where we do all of our interaction with the fans. On there, you can find the website to order all of our stuff, or if you want to reach out and talk to us, uh, that's how you get a hold of us. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for joining us here on ToyCast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. Send any email to feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can listen to us on all the podcatching methods, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever you choose to use. Follow us on Twitter at Geekcast Radio for the network, at TF Toycast for the show. I am at TFGO and Mike. Isn't, aren't you or isn't Toy Robot on Twitter, too? Uh, we are, but we're not. We don't do anything on there right now. Uh, we should. We just, okay. uh, I'm kind of, uh, <laughs> we're both kind of in that age where we're too old to figure it out. And we need to get somebody on there younger oh. and better understanding than us. Twitter's easy. That's, I mean, I mean, I'm two years older than you and I can teach you. All right. Anyway, become a fan on Facebook. <laughs> Go to facebook.com slash Geekcast Radio Network. You can also check out TF Toycast or Toycast over there. As I say at almost the end of every episode, I have no idea what's coming up next. It was just pure luck that I fell into recording episode 150 through 153 and that I knew what was going to be coming for each of these episodes for this month. So in September, we may do some sort of sewer surf in September thing and talk turtles. I have no idea what we're doing. So for now, go ahead. What? Oh, I was going to say you should hunt down Farner Studios on Instagram. He's the guy who did all the molds and designs for the Ninja Turtles figures. Oh, very cool. Very cool. For now, I am TFU and Mike with... Eric Fraley. Join us next time when we'll be talking more toys here on ToyCast. Toy Cast.